So yeah, let's dive on into the Ascension. So just off the bat, um, I loved going to the the original Greek here for uh, Ascension. Oh. And, um, it's, oh. it's translated in, in quite a few different little ways, but um, uh, just kind of taking a, a look at uh, quite a few of them. It says okay. sometimes it's uh, came up or went up um sometimes that word is to spring up uh, sometimes it's to having entered into um let's see looking for some some other ones grew up i thought that that was interesting mm -hmm. but yeah that it is, is an extensive word uh used throughout the the greek mm -hmm. um, and so as we take a look at at ascending um like it, it gives here on, on this page of the workbook, to move, climb, go upward, uh, the bodily ascending of Christ from earth to heaven. Mm -hmm. That word in the um, kind of, I don't know what you call it, the alternate, <laughs> oh, the alternate and sort of culture, um, new agey. I have so many friends in California, so I feel like I'm so tapped into what they're doing. That a word ascension is being bantered around like nothing. I mean, I've even heard people saying that we are now knee deep in ascension and that all of us are ascending without even having our will involved. <laughs> so. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's just going to happen automatically. Like we're just going to be like sprinkled with fairy dust. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. Other than, you know, some of our, our context here with timelines, etc. I haven't really heard that, that word much, but, but oh, they're taking it's that so popular right now. Using it in lots of different ways. It's <laughs> so popular right now. So I'm so grateful to be able to ground myself in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Going back to the roots of the words like you do, bringing out the Greek, and mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah, uh, when we get down to the John one, there's an interesting um, word to, to study off, but um, just kind of going through, almost it's kind of in order as they're listed here. That, that first entry there in Luke uh, really called my attention to uh, give me more questions than anything, but mm -hmm. um, so just reading it real quick, and it says, and he led them out as far as to Bethany or the house of figs is that's translated and oh. he lifted up his hands and blessed them and it came to pass while he blessed them he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God amen and so I thought that was very interesting that he is uh, with uplifted hands in uh, in prayer and blessing them as he is ascending. I don't know why, but I had never quite pictured the ascension like that. <laughs> I, I've heard of the ascension many times, and I, I don't know. I just had never quite got that that mental picture with it before. And it, anyway, it is very interesting. I am very grateful for Luke's account there. I am too. I I think you're pointing out a very good point that for all the things that we learned or thought about the ascension, that is a really unique image, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I think I mentioned this in, in group A, but um, it calls to mind also um, with Joseph Smith at uh, Carthage there. He's in the same posture as he is parting this life uh, with uplifted hands in prayer and, and blessing. I did not know that. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting tidbit that we rarely hear about. Yeah. Um, he was portrayed like that in that film. He was? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I wasn't paying attention. What film um, are you talking about, Darlene? Um, the, the story of Joseph Smith, what was that called? Which one? Like how um, long ago? The one that the actor is the one that's uh, Peter in the Temple film. Oh, um, when was that? I was on my mission in 2008 when we were showing that one. So yeah, that would that would have been around like the 2006-ish probably that it came out. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. Well, if you get a link for it, send it my way. I'm sure I have not seen it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's my favorite one for sure. <laughs> I guess I'm missing elements of it that I need to go back and. <laughs> but yeah, also awesome. there. Uh -huh. I'll yeah. go right ahead. Go right ahead. Uh huh. Um, in that that Luke section there, it. I, I don't know. I had never considered this either, but uh, many of the disciples were going into hiding because of what had happened with the crucifixion and stuff, and so the fact that they were. Uh, being filled with such great joy at his ascension, they can, they went to the temple and were continually there praising and blessing God. I mean, that's a very public kind of a place. I, I wouldn't imagine that they would have went there, but that was a new nuance that I had never considered um, with those that had witnessed the ascension there in Bethany. That's a really good distinction. And think about it too. If you're fearful and you're kind of staying behind closed doors, that's a completely different energy than being filled with great joy. When yeah. you have the spirit with you, you cast out all fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that would help protect them. Yeah, yeah a, a very much a, a protection that would allow them to be there. But yeah, it was just something I'd never considered before. <laughs> that one verse, I was like, do I even know the scriptures? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like learning all of these new things as we're going through this. Yeah. Um, yeah, what other verses really stood out to, to you guys? Well, I had just kind of a question, but I'm sure that it is, I don't know, it's John 3, 13, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, so ascension has a special flavor to it because the city of Enoch was lifted up, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was one of the, the first things that popped into my head too. Like in the Gospel of John, we have lots of like seeming uh, conundrums or uh, contradictions, right? Mm -hmm. And I, this was a word study that I did uh, along with that. Because uh, it says, and no man hath, and that popped into my head, uh, mm -hmm. and no man hath seen God at any time, you know, and 
I was like, huh, I wonder how often that phrase is, is used throughout stuff. And so I did a word search for no man hath or uh, hath no man, you know, any kind of combination of those three words. Mm-hmm. And John is the only gospel writer that uses that phrase. Mm-hmm. And he uses it um, in three, well, he uses it in five different uh, places, wow. in three separate kind of contexts. And anyway, I found that very interesting, but they're all very, um, they make you pause and wonder because they seem to contradict each other. And Mm so, I don't know (laughs) if you want to go on this journey with this uh, word search here, but um, the the first one is in John 1.18, and it's the one where it says that no man hath seen God at any time, but Yet we know that he has, even prior to to Christ coming, uh, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And so, anyway, it's an interesting uh, conundrum of no man hath seen God. And then John 3, which one uh, we just read, no man hath ascended up to heaven. And then uh, John 15, 13, uh, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then um, also in 1 John chapter 4, um, it's kind of verses 12 through 19, but 12 also uh, iterates, no man has seen God at any time. Um, But anyway, I, I found those all very interesting to ponder. No man hath done these things. And uh, what is, is John pointing at? And I have yet to, to go through it. I want to look at it chiastically and see if certain things are pointing out each other there. But um, to me, I, I don't know. See if this interpretation seems to hold any water. It might not. But it seems like is with this John 3, 13 one, and no man hath ascended up into heaven until he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Like he, he's the one that makes it possible, but is that also a retroactive kind of a thing? Because, I mean, like you said, the, the city of Enoch, or is that just simply a different kind of ascension, one that we're not referring to here? Right, like there's a different flavor to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and... And is it simply distinguishing the Savior and his uniqueness and the uniqueness of his call as a Savior as distinct from any other man? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just <clears throat> not sure where to go with that. Yeah, I, I'm doing a, a quick word search on heaven because and no man hath ascended up to heaven. So which heaven are we talking about? Because, you know, in Hebrew, there's a few different types of heavens. So like I always do, Bible hub. Um, let's go, John. And chapter three and 13. Okay, so looking at original where did it go there we go heaven here um 
So this is a, a really common uh, version of heaven. It has 278 occurrences. Um, so this one is perhaps from the same as Oros or the sky, by extension heaven. By implication, happiness, power, eternity, especially the gospel. That's an interesting, I would have never thought these, the implication part there, that <laughs> would have never entered in my head. But I mean, if, it, if we're just talking the sky, I mean, that would definitely apply to the city of Enoch. I mean, as the city was actually raised up and it was hovering in the sky for, for quite a while before it actually uh, left the atmosphere there. But by extension, well, heaven. Something so, mm -hmm. so I have a question. Can you hear me? Yeah. So... We know that Christ was the first one that was resurrected, right? Mm -hmm. And we also know he resurrected probably the first one also then who saw his father in heaven, correct? Mm -hmm. As a resurrected being. Yeah. Because no one gets resurrected before Christ. Mm -hmm. So even though the city of Enoch was, was taken up, we don't know that they were just translated right they weren't resurrected yeah so to to me this means that you know he is the first uh he had to uh, descend right to ascend mm -hmm. and he was the first to do that yeah just a thought yeah i i love that and so and no man hath ascended up to heaven and so it's interesting because um, how we, because it says he's coming down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Yeah. Well, that certainly speaks to the uniqueness of his call because he yeah. did condescend to come down from heaven to do what he did for us. And he is the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that resurrection aspect is is really great in there, and it go, goes along with that uh, that next one in the workbook there, the six sixty two. Mm -hmm. um, what and if, which is a bad translation, it says, "What if you were to see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before?" So there's that he has to have been there, come down the condescension, and then the the actual ascension. Which also kind of begs the, the question of how does heaven, the, the word heaven that they're using here, relate to uh, pre-mortal versus post-mortal heaven? Because if he's um, descending, because like, like us, for example, when we die, we're not going back to the, the pre-mortal heaven, are we? Or, I mean, we're going to the, the spirit world and then eventually to judgment and, and kingdoms and, and things. But like here, heaven is, is definitely something that we, at least with the Savior here, that he's leaving or condescending from and returning to in order to be the first kind of a thing. I found that just very interesting to think about. And, and yeah, well, first Peter talks about him being the one to bridge the spirit world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he set everything in motion and in place. Nothing got set into motion 
until he fulfilled his calling on earth. And so he did go to the spirit world, actually. And then he ascended into heaven, right? Yeah. And then uh, further this end there. And I like the Prophet Joseph Smith's quote that makes that resurrection, that coming down and that going up, the ascension of Christ central to our faith. And all other things that pertain to our faith are only appendages of that one central reality. Yeah, I love that. Hmm. But I've never thought about the fact that, you know, you and I are going to be going to the spirit world and then we have the judgment and then we'll be going to whatever kingdom, right? So I've never thought of that pattern with Christ, although we know from Peter that he does go to the spirit world. And having been a perfect and the only perfect person in the world to have ever lived, I mean, is there a judgment then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, very interesting. I'm also curious about in Alma that at the bottom of page 39, there's two scriptural references. And one of them is Alma 4020. And it talks about how once Christ is resurrected, that there are righteous people who are resurrected with him. Once he's ascended into heaven. And so do resurrected beings then live in heaven now? That's a great question. Because like with the, the different gifts that, that Christ bestows upon or promises to the different apostles, right? Both in Americas as well as the uh, Judean 12, that some are translated, but that some are um, what to, to speedily come into the presence or to, to live with God. So like that, I mean, not just spirit world, but actually come up to god's throne or or heaven as it's kind of stated here huh. right some are to go to the kingdom of, of the lord jesus and then those that tarry will go directly up to um, to the father but i'm just wondering where do these resurrected beings where do they hang out mm -hmm. i don't know and um I can't remember whether I know we <laughs> quote it all the time, but I, I don't remember where the quote or whatever is from that Abraham, like Father Abraham, has already um, uh, resurrected, gone on. He's, he's, um, I think that's in DNC, isn't it? DNC, okay. That he's creating other worlds right. and, and things. And yeah, he's already moved on. I don't. <clears throat> I know. I really need to remember <laughs> yeah. it because I quoted enough today. <laughs> I allude to it enough, I guess. Um, yeah. Um. 
so John uh, twenty seventeen. This this one was uh, a fun one because I'd always heard this, but I had never actually done the word study myself. And so going through um, the touch me not. And so right. let me pull that one up because I think that that one was a really fun one. In Greek, is that or what? What language is it? Nole me tangere. Is that? Um. I've heard that before. Maybe that's like the Latin. Ah, mm-hmm. could be. Um, because like uh, as I'm looking up here in in the Greek of John 2017, um, mm-hmm. like I, this one doesn't sound at all like what. You had just said so I I don't know I, I'm gonna have to look that one up too because I now that you say that I have heard that um translation before as well so oh maybe not thank me do not think to me Haptumo. yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm not finding it here but um so in the the Greek here in this lexicon says, "Do not cling to me." And I've I've heard that from a few different people, but um, looking at the the word here, uh, it's to fasten to, to lay hold of, to touch, or to know carnally, which is interesting, especially with the implication of her possibly being his wife, right? And um, it's also a reflexive of uh, something to properly to attach oneself to or to touch. And so um, with lexicons, I also like to go to, because Strong's is just comparing Bible verses with each other versus like the Liddell and Scott's lexicon is also taking into consideration outside sources from from Greek literature, right? And so with uh, Liddell and Scott's lexicon, I found some of these very interesting. Um, Oh, come on, Ascend, just a second, let me get the other one. (laughs) So it is to to fasten to or fasten on, um, and it's to, to fix upon a thing um, and a couple of different examples is it's used in conjunction with clinging closely to or fastening a shield to one's arm for dear life. And so um, kind of taking that uh, context there of that word and, and looking uh, over to, to Jesus and, and Mary, you know, <laughs> I... I can only imagine her like clinging to him in, in this embrace and like you know as tight as you would a shield for dear life you know like this is it this is, my life depends on it kind of thing and her going uh, he responding to that saying you know i I'm, I'm not staying here you can't cling to me and, and hold me uh to this this earth forever i i have yet to ascend and, and fulfill my mission and everything but um many people have uh uh, touched him in his ascension process and stuff so I have a hard time really uh, applying that touch me not it, it sounds very abrasive and very 
off-putting versus, no, just don't cling to me. You know that I can't stay here. You know my mission and, and that I must ascend to my father and everything. Don't get too comfortable with this kind of a uh, an aspect. But right. I, was just, I was just reading something very similar to what you're kind of, the direction you're moving into. This is from um, Maurice Zundel um, Wikipedia. It says, in asking Mary Magdalene not to touch him, Jesus indicates that once the resurrection is accomplished, the link between human beings and his person must no longer be physical, which is quite different from just touching him, his feet and touching his hands, and what must be a bond of heart to heart. He must establish this gap. She must understand that the only possible way is faith that the hands cannot reach the person and that it is from within, from within only that they can approach him. Um, but then likewise, later when Thomas reached out to touch the wounds of Jesus, Christ declared, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed because he knows it is useless. I don't understand that part. Anyway, that was just someone's um, interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, the, the different um, encounters and, and kind of comparing them as we, we go through all of these different ones and, and how we did from the, was that just last week, the post-mortal appearances? Yes. And kind of seeing how he's interacting with, with each of them. Yes, it almost indicates that the bond between he and Mary was one of more of an earthly intimacy. Mm -hmm. And um, and he's suggesting to her now that things have changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a marked difference. But yeah, very interesting. So yeah, I, I loved... Because I sometimes you hear these things, but it, it's another thing to go and actually look in the lexicons and and kind of take a, a a gander at all the different implications that could be there. Cameron, I found that the scripture that tells about Abraham uh -huh. is uh, DNC one thirty two uh, thirty seven. And so uh, what's kind of like the phrasing on it? So Abraham has already gone on or? Well, the very last line, well, it's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. And they have entered into their exaltation according to the promises and sit upon thrones and are not angels, but are gods. <clears throat> That's a handy reference. I'm going to have to <laughs> get that one memorized. But yeah. And then, Mother, you had an interesting one on Acts 111 um, with the who is saying that? Because you have to kind of go back to uh, verses preceding it, right? To, to find uh -huh. out who is yeah. actually saying this to, to the men of Galilee. Yeah, that uh, as we was 
studying this, I go, who are they talking about? You know, because someone's saying, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? And and we found like just going up one more chapter in chapter 10, it says an angel ministers. Let's see. I'm not in the right. Am I? Well, aren't you just going up one more verse? Yeah, that's okay. what I meant. Yeah. No, I'm in the wrong verse. Have you got it there? Um, I can get there real quick. Just a second. One. I don't know where I'm at. I, says chapter one. Oh, I'm not. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just reading the. What do you call that? The chapter heading? Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't moved on. Okay, so verse 10 says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. In fact, even that uh, painting has the two men standing there after he's ascended. And I learned about this at Education Week. Those two men are, um, I guess you call them angels. But anyway, it's... Moses and Elijah and it's the same two um angels that were there at the tomb um when he died so mm -hmm. they had that's part of their mission I guess to uh witness both of those events and they were also at the Mount of Transfiguration yes yes there's three things there yeah it's interesting to to have those two pop up in in lots of different ways isn't it mm -hmm. i can see you know whether or not i agree on it i haven't really made up my opinion but a lot of people say that the the two prophets at the end of times that are in jerusalem uh, could very well be moses and elijah as well uh, coming back to to be those two prophets that uh, do those things which it could be but i don't know they could they could definitely handle out, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've had practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that same thing. I mean, they've had practice using the translated powers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see, which other verses? What other verses stood out to you guys? looking through all my notes here <laughs> i've taken so many notes that it's hard to kind of wade through all of these different things well i i had a question we never did get to um third nephi you know on sunday evening when we was talking uh -huh. but on the third nephi 1839 it says and while they were overshadowed he departed from them and it goes on and ascended into heaven. Um, but what's it mean they were overshadowed? 
And I missed something there. Oh, I was going to say, well, let's look it up. That's in third Nephite. There's not these handy tools for looking up the original Nephite. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but overshadowed, it makes me think of the same that, that Mary was overshadowed when she conceived, right? Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. And and who is overshadowed? Is that the all that whole group that was there? Maybe the disciples were not overshadowed because they saw. Yeah. And bear record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the rest of that verse. Yeah. Um. I have a reference listed down at, that's pointing to that overshadowed word, but I forgot what it said. Let me look it up. It's Luke 24, 50 through 53. Oh, no, that's just the, the original one here. Oh, of Mary. Uh-huh. Of, no, at Bethany. Oh, what, Bethany? Oh, oh. I don't know why I wrote that in there again. Sometimes my notes are <laughs> crazy. I, who knows when I was studying that one? But um, wasn't it somebody said to to look up in the the Webster's dictionary for overshadowed? Let me do that. Um. Oh, I love that dictionary. <laughs> no, it's awesome so overshadow to throw a shadow over or to overshade or to shelter to protect to cover with protecting influence oh that's interesting yeah oh um per, i don't know this is just thinking out loud and it's probably might be dumb but maybe to ascend he needs to use all of his glory to ascend and it and if that's the case, they would have to be overshadowed there so that they're not hurt, you know? But And so it kind of goes to like uh, the Exodus or, or Moses times, like when people need to be veiled uh, kind of a thing where overshadowed, it kind of means like a, a protective veil mm -hmm. or covering mm -hmm. to... Right, I always thought of that with the children of Israel, that a shadow by day and a pillar by night was their protection. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, in that third Nephi one there, the word that really stood out to me was that it happened again. Their record that he ascended again into heaven. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Anyway, my brain kept kind of going back through all of these different sources and going, so how many times did he ascend? This mm -hmm. and, and like, is Bethany the very first one chronologically that we're having here? I mean, is that the actual ascension? And all of these are just, I don't know. Or, or are they, is there merit in looking at all of them as a combined or, or conglomerate uh, ascension? And... Are there nuances between the different accounts and, and different things? So I, I'm working on my <laughs> spreadsheet on my personal studies to to kind of map out the different times that there is an actual physical ascension uh, with Christ. I think, oh. if I'm not mistaken, it was when I was reading 
James Talmage's account. That's one of the little supplemental things. Mm -hmm. I think that he said that he believes that he ascended between seeing um, Mary um, of Magdalene and then seeing the other women who touched his feet in worship. His idea or interpretation was that he ascended in between those two meetings. So, because that to him was an explanation for why Mary was not allowed to touch him and the others were. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, I said this Sunday, I don't know if it, it's just an idea I had is that the first one is the first time that, well, of course, the first one is the first time, <laughs> but I, it seems like that one's where he returns and reports to the father, mm -hmm. you know, the rest of them is coming down to finish the things that he needs to do. But I think that first one is the return and report. When he, like, for example, the third Nephi one, where he ascended again into heaven. So where is he going? Or what's his purpose? Like, if if the one is like a return and report, what, where's he going for the other ones? And what has he been doing this whole time? <laughs> well, you know, that's a great question, because he appears so enigmatically, and unexpectedly when they're least expecting it over a 40 day period. Was he on earth that whole time appearing to different people? Or was he going up again each time? So did he tarry on the earth for the full 40 days, even though they weren't always with, he was not always with these, this particular group of people? Yeah, exactly. I have the same question. <laughs> I guess I'm just not that scripture literate because I would think that we probably do somewhat have an idea, right? But I, I don't know the answer to that. And so it's, fueled my like this ascension uh topic here or whatever it has really fueled my personal studies this week of let, let me dive in it so i can know these things and <laughs> well, it's really good because when you start to just scratch the surface with the few scriptures that are here yeah. it makes me and you're saying the same thing it makes me go wow what have i been reading before yeah. <laughs> Even though I've been studying hard, like, I don't know some of the basics like this. And well, it's right before my eyes. And what have I been seeing? <laughs> so there's all these new connections and patterns. You know, with the, when he visits the Nephites, and he leaves them, you know, yeah. after, and then it comes back the next day and stuff. So that might be the ascended again. That, that they're talking about there. Maybe he said the first time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And he always refers to other sheep have I. So maybe he went to visit other people too. Mm -hmm. So is it just kind of a, a daytime thing? So like while the sun's up, he's like, okay, the sun's going down. So I'm going to go hop over to the other hemisphere. Oh. Because the sun's <laughs> just coming up for them. Or like, why is he having to, to bounce back and forth kind of a thing? Yeah, like I have and... that question. And I, I am supposing that a you know, resurrected being doesn't sleep anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's very interesting. What if they do at night when everybody else is sleeping? Like you said, just pop over to the other side. <laughs> Yeah, I got to go. <laughs> People to minister to you. It's very interesting. So I have to tell you the story mm -hmm. of the pillar by of the cloud by day and the pillar of night, right? Mm -hmm. The um, and I don't know if I told you this before or not, but um, and I learned this only like a year or two ago. But here in Provo, they're getting ready to. Uh, redo the entire Provo uh, temple, not the Provo city but the old Provo temple by BYU. Mm -hmm. When you look at that temple, what do you see? It seems like it's a rocket ship. <laughs> yeah. So those white, that Spaceship. white stuff around, it, it looks really retro. But when you, you know, when you hear this, you'll never forget it again. Those white uh, vertical panels around the temple is a cloud by day, right? Oh. And, the, and the shaft in the middle used to be uh -huh. um, bronze. They've painted it now, but that was a pillar of night. Huh. Oh my goodness. Because like Provo and Ogden were built at the same time and they just seemed so odd. <laughs> they were like the two little spaceships or whatever. Uh, <laughs> they are the pillar of fire and the cloud. Like, oh. Yep. Exactly. Now I understand and appreciate that architecture a little bit better. It just seemed odd. Me too. It's sad that they're taking it away now that I finally get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I all my life I've had a question mark over my head about why does that temple look like? That? <laughs> right. but it, it makes a lot of sense. So here's something interested. It says once resurrected, Jesus gained the keys to open the graves for all the men. And with those keys, he gained the he uh, the keys. He opened the gates of the resurrection. The graves were open, and many saints did arise and appear unto many. Pretty interesting, right? That was why I was asking the question. So where are they? <laughs> so I've always thought that he ascended to the Father immediately because he was pure, right? Before he would be touched or hugged or kissed or whatever right after his resurrection kind of almost like a baptism if you know what i'm saying right mm -hmm. and so he went to the father first and then came down and ministered just a thought yeah interesting <laughs> yeah I, I love it You're taking it in lots of different directions that i hadn't considered before Yeah, with that, that uh, well, he certainly rocked uh, Satan's dominion. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of interesting on the kind of the the heels of uh, his forty days in the wilderness, you know, and, and Satan's uh, tempting there and stuff. Versus the the opposite. Now, as a resurrected, he's ministering for forty days um, for for others to receive blessings and, and teachings and, and lots of different things there. It's interesting kind of those kind of back to back there. So talking about his 40 days, it says after his resurrection, Jesus spent much 
of the next 40 days with his disciples, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, Acts 1-3, and opening their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, namely, what is in what is in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning him, Luke 24, 44, 45. As part of his ministry, these 40 days are important to Latter-day Saints. In addition, a major section of the Book of Mormon is devoted to his post-resurrection ministry in the Western Hemisphere. You mentioned the the law and the prophets there. That was part of my learning on the why that was Moses. He represented the law and why it was Elijah because he represented the prophets. Yeah, and so in that, that quote that you just had there with, because there was the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, or, or the, the writings there, it's very interesting. I'd never considered that, but um, as you're going back to, to Moses and Elijah, like, huh, because all things testify of Christ, and so he's coming back and saying, look, look at all of these things that they bore record, and and yes, we, we didn't quite get it uh, to, to some degree, but uh, as far as the, the the people around were concerned, but he's going and testifying. Okay, now I have fulfilled these things here and look forward to my, my second coming. It's like an aha moment for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, imagine I, that you have, you've met the savior, you followed him through his, his ministry and then he dies. Like what a, <laughs> it, a, a it rips out a part of you. You're just kind of like, what? I, it's not even possible. But yet he's coming back and saying, okay, this has all been prophesied. Peace be unto you. Now go and and, and do some things, you know, like, aha. <laughs> right. The uh, James Talmadge version of describing uh, Mary Magdalene's meeting with him is just really it feels so personal. You know, I, I just felt like, wow, I can so understand what she was experiencing. I felt it when I read it. Another part that I thought, um, speaking of um, him receiving the keys, in Matthew 28, um, 9 and 18, it says from one of our previous reads, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So that's really like rocking and shaking the ambition of Satan. Literally, he's crushing the serpent's head. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting for the 40 days. I'd never thought of that, that that's him crushing, right? Mm. I mean, he is, he is mm. ascended and no matter what Satan does at this point, mm. there's nothing you can do now. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, this is like totally off topic. Well, kind of, but, uh, with that 
<laughs> Provo Temple architecture, or whatever, the pillar and cloud. Um, with cosmism, there's a very interesting uh, scientific hypothesis or explanation through the the exodus story of pillar and cloud uh me and wendy are going to be uh, recording that that podcast this saturday um but like different implications of when a, in the the whole uh, cosmism aspect of the second coming that when he comes again there will again be uh, a pillar and a cloud uh, to to help the people and what natural phenomena well i guess not natural but <laughs> uh scientific phenomenon we'll we'll have of that mm. um remember uh was it that for our protection as well uh-huh yeah for sure i mean in in that context so i'm i'm speaking as if i'm all in and so there, there's a lot of things in cosmism that i i'm still learning and, and growing with and uh, you know i don't have uh, but I mean, like the pillar in the cloud. Uh-huh, yeah. Thing. That yeah. In, in that theory and uh, explanation and stuff, that we are talking about um, very real phenomena that happen when planets come in, in near proximity with each other. And so that there is a, a pillar of fire um, a plasma discharge between the planets and a, a cloud or protection, um, which is a, a blessing from uh, all of the, the heat and the thunderstorms and, and things that are happening as, as planets are um, interacting in that electrical universe. And so, um, anyway, going through it with the Exodus story, seeing um what has been and and what shall be anyway it, it's just it's interesting to me even though i am like the least sci-fi kind of person out there <laughs> but a lot of this uh, uh cosmological uh evidence and, and theory really seems to to give a lot of explanation to um the the miracles and how god works with with his people So I just had this thought, which I've never thought of before, but isn't it interesting that Christ came to this earth out of all the earths he could come through? Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting that we have the constellations, I guess there's what, 75 or that are solid constellations, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that, less than a hundred. But isn't it interesting that, that um, these things happened on this earth? in the constellations it wasn't some other galaxy right where this all happened yeah and and it, everything i think points towards christ the placement of where this earth is and everything else mm -hmm. yeah i love that it's amazing to to really think about christ in his full aspect right because uh, we can barely comprehend this earth but yet <laughs> I mean, all of that implication that that here is where he came and here is where he was crucified and and here is where um, he ascends from and uh, interacts with with the gentleman like there, there's a lot of interesting things that that occur here on on this earth. That's me at all. So talking about ascension. 
how many times in the scriptures can you think of where Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ have descended? Oh, that's very interesting. I, I've been putting together a list of all the, the theophanies that uh, are recorded everywhere in scripture. But yeah, uh, God the Father is is a fairly rare one compared to, to Christ, but Christ is... <laughs> It seems like every single passage of scripture uh, is pointing to, to some uh, appearance or um, something. Right. But when you think of it, I mean, we know the God of the Old Testament is Christ. It's not Elohim, right? Mm -hmm. And so you think about that. I mean, does God really appear? Elohim, that is. Does he really appear anywhere in the Old Testament to us to descend? That's a very, as far as like a Latter-day Saint context, um, we, we don't have hardly anything uh, pointing to a, towards his interaction um, back then. But I was looking up today, it's just interesting that um, other Christian faiths have um, kind of lists of when God the Father is coming to the children of men, when Christ is coming to the children of men, Jehovah, um, Anyway, they have it kind of lined out when the Holy Ghost is coming in and, and appearing in the Old Testament, which I had never really considered. But but the fact that we know that Christ is Jehovah uh, of the Old Testament, then that that rules out a lot of the supposed Elohim references or, or God the Father, I should say, with mm -hmm. uh, other Christian contexts and stuff. And so, yeah, it, <laughs> if that's um the case then then uh, elohim isn't really appearing uh, uh there's what the the four times i, I believe that the god the father appears and, and he is always saying the same thing this so is when awesome. when does he appear what are those four times um so at the baptism of christ at the, the first vision with joseph smith at <laughs> That's as far as I've gotten in my my study. Well, uh, because in I, I the school of the prophets, he yeah, he, school of the prophets. Yeah. Um, so when you think of that, and you just look at that alone, no wonder the rest of the world, when Joseph Smith says the God the Father and the Son appear to me, it's no wonder that they mocked him and laughed at him, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet, for us, for me, at least, uh, from our vantage point, it's like, oh my goodness, this is like monumental. This is, um, this is one of the most pivotal points in the history of our Earth, basically, mm -hmm. right? Really? Mm -hmm. When you think of it that way, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, Joseph Smith really was a prophet. Yeah. I mean, just from that one piece alone, exactly. he would have to be a prophet. So, yeah, it, when you talk about ascension, of course, you have to talk about descending, right? Because you can't ascend until you descend. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting thread to follow because I'm looking back at my knowledge, which is sketchy of the Book of Mormon, and it seems like the prophets are testifying of Christ, of having either seen him or heard his voice. 
Mm -hmm. um, but there doesn't seem to be a lot about um, a lot of visitations from the father, are there? Yeah. Um, yeah. The Mount of Transfiguration is the other one. <laughs> okay. Left out of my other four. But there again, he was just in the cloud. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, when, when, and that's right, Darlene. When you think of that, when is, when is I mean, when has he appeared in, in a, a, a human form? Yeah. Because it's usually just the voice that people are hearing. This is my mm -hmm. beloved son kind of a thing versus Joseph Smith. No, he actually saw him and... Uh, that he was in the, the likeness of a, a person to dream. And Stephen in the New Testament sees Christ on the right hand side of God, right? Oh, interesting. Yes. Yes. But but that doesn't mean he descended. Mm -hmm. That just means he saw him. That there's yeah, a huge difference there, right? Right. Right. Feel that remote feeling because he's enthroned in the heavens. He's not on earth. Right. So when you th really think of it, I, I'm not sure there's, I'm, I'm not sure I can put my finger on anything other than Joseph Smith's first vision, where God the Father in physical form has descended. Well, that makes it revolutionary. Uh, well, it certainly opens my eyes a little bit, right? And we don't talk about this much in the church, do we? Uh-uh. Especially not at all. And like, it, so with School of the Prophets, that one, because we've had the, the conundrum back and forth of was that a real appearance or was that like a visionary appearance like with, with Stephen the, the Martyr, right? Uh, because right. there were some that did see Christ and then they did see God the Father. And um, if, if he actually entered the, the room or if that was just kind of a visionary type of experience. But um, with Joseph Smith, it was there in the grove, face to face kind of a thing. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah it just, I mean, it opens up volumes of discussion mm -hmm. yeah. when you think about it. Because, and, and in what? In five words, right? This is my beloved son. Then mm -hmm. hear him. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, President Nelson has picked up on, right? <laughs> so no wonder. I mean, I've never put this together before until today, but no wonder President Nelson is saying what he's saying. One of the most pivotal experiences in the history of the universe. And very few words are given. And yet they're so transforming, right? Mm. Hear him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when Jesus visited the Nephites, it was the same thing. They heard Heavenly Father. Um, and he introduced him, uh, I think, pretty much the same way. This is my beloved son, hear him. I think he added uh, who... I'm well pleased. Huh? In whom I'm well pleased. Well, also about the glory. Who has added glory to me? Oh, yes, um, there is more on that one. You're right, darling. I forget how it's worded, but yeah. 
but no one sees him it's just the voice and once again that's after he's resurrected right mm -hmm. so all that glory and maybe that's why he had and i didn't think about this but maybe that in and of itself is why he had to appear to the father first mm -hmm. for that glory right yeah Yeah, so that, um, behold, this is third Nephi, behold my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, in whom I have glorified my name, hear ye him. Can you give me that reference again? It's third Nephi what? 11.7. And so think about that. This is my work and my glory to bring to pass immortality and eternal life of man. That would have been all gone had that not happened, right? The resurrection, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So no wonder he says, oh, my goodness, yeah, this is, you know, in my glory, right? He has glorified my name because he actually fulfilled the very mission that in the preexistence he was set out to fill, despite what Satan thought that he knew. For the uh, let's say Pearl Greg Price says that for he knew not the plan, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it all fits together. I mean, it's just the more you study, <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 more you realize it doesn't matter what you study, you get a testimony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and get these little pieces and can from there, and you just realize like. Whoa, how much else is there? There's always more. There's always more. Mm -hmm. But I love the little aha moments, though. It makes the study worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it keeps our brains going, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And it's well, amazing how quickly we forget things or, you know, like, how did I not know the depth of this before or these different connections? But it, yeah, it all just comes in. One of the things I've started doing to help me is that I'm just online. I'm just typing up little gospel journal pages for the things that I learn so that even a week later I can go back because I'm doing so much in studying that a week ago is a long time. So it's good for me to be able to go back and say, oh, yeah, that was last week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No wonder we're supposed to spend so much time in the scriptures daily, you know, and that's that's how this all comes together. You know, when people just tell us stuff, you know, that helps somewhat, but when we actually figure it out and it testifies to us that that is truth, then, you know, that's how we really grow. Yeah, I think there's something about, you know, when we do the work, mm -hmm. we own it. Yeah. Rather than just being passively given something. Yeah. It's, it's the same in education, which is what I'm in. Until you do engage learning, you really don't get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
without having gone through the book of Isaiah earlier this year, the ascension and descension does it means a whole heck of a lot more now to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as I was going through, that was my first thing um, with this section with the ascension. I was like, oh, ascension, descension, I, I ha- it's a new hot word for me or whatever. So I was going through and marking all of the covenant language, Davidic covenant language of uh, ascent and descent throughout everything. And it, it, it's literally everywhere once you know what you're looking for. Right, but you'd, you'd never put that together. Yeah. <laughs> un- unless you, Unless you studied isaiah decoded right mm-hmm, exactly. i mean for us yeah well yeah sure he descended and came down to earth but now it means a volume more for us mm-hmm. right that have gone through that and this really is a pattern for us as as human beings right as his children because we follow that same pattern of descending well we all may well i shouldn't say that you know those of us on earth have made it <laughs> have made the descension part right <laughs> but n- now it's the uh, the ascension part that we need to work on yeah exactly um i was listening to two of megan uh, i forget what she calls her thing the latter day disciples podcast um the the two most recent episodes are super interesting with that uh, ascension descension mm-hmm. um type of thing and going through our endowment and, and looking at, at patterns. Um, anyway, she had Corey Jensen on there, which is amazing. I, people have oh. a hard time getting a hold of him, but, um, he's the one that wrote the books about the endowment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Preparing for understanding and completing yeah. your endowment. Yeah. I've got those books in Oregon. So, um, is this Megan Farner you're talking about? Yeah. How do you spell Megan's last name? Farner, F-A-R-N-E-R. Yeah. And what podcast is it again? It's the Latter-day Disciples podcast. Um, like the the one that I was a, a guest on with Dreams. Um, anyway, that her two most recent ones are amazing. She has like really good guests on there all the time. Uh, here's yeah. the... A link to she uh, had uh, abraham on there for two wow. episodes mm-hmm. yeah if you haven't went through her podcast and stuff i i highly recommend uh all of the ones that she has a guest on <laughs> there, there's sometimes when um she's just talking but um all of her her guests are amazing um another podcast thanks i know (laughs) but um i I was looking through the list to just kind of see so if if you're ever trying to recommend avraham Gileadi to anyone and don't kind of like know how to like wrap it all up i always point them now to megan's two podcasts with with him he gives some of the most concise like in a nutshell synopsis of what isaiah is and why we should study it so like those are brought out the best in him huh yep exactly like i i loved her her podcast with him um i would really recommend um the last two so the one with corey jensen and the the one with um josh chandler and then 
<laughs> interestingly enough, that that Jeff uh, Buner one is amazing. It changed my whole world, and and that came right on the heels of lectures on faith. And he's talking about uh, the the Sultan's seven secrets, and oh man, it just changed everything for me. So I recommend Jeff who. Um, so it's an interesting last name. I, I think it's Buner, uh, B-U-E-H-N-E-R. It's oh, that's German. Yeah. How is it pronounced? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, the U, the U would have an umlaut, so, so it would be Buner. Buner. Yeah, but English, yeah, and Buner is fine, but Bu, ew, ew. Yeah, Buner. Yeah, Buner. that's how you pronounce it. His is interesting, but you have to kind of look past how materialistically minded it is. His mm -hmm. whole thing is about using those principles to have a big house. Mm -hmm. yeah. Really? And so looking at how faith is an act of spiritual creation and um, yeah, like like, it's the way he comes across, and I'm not saying that's the way he is as a person, but the way he comes across is I just want a big house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it seemed very materialistic, <laughs> the way that he's presenting it, but, but I think behind it, it's right, because uh, things are created spiritually before the rest. Absolutely. Before it's physical so it we makes that in the temple so it's mm -hmm. we and so, create and i think the way we think in words is so powerful because the way you know we think is like words the way we speak is words and i think we are creating when we speak and when we think because i've read things about how even our dna and the cells of our body respond to every thought and every word so that we almost become we we are the product of our choices our bodies even the way our bodies physically manifest are really in part created by our thoughts and our choices you know and our our energy yeah mm -hmm. There's been times when I've been pondering and really thinking deeply, and then it's it's turned into a, a vision mm. from from that. Mm, that's deep. That's really manifesting mm -hmm. <laughs> spiritually. <laughs> wow. Yep. Be thankful you're getting visions and not dreams. Yeah. <laughs> dreams are hard to understand. When you say visions, they're more daytime and more like watching a movie. Is that what you mean, Darlene? Because dreams are very um, symbolic. Mm -hmm. I was thinking more of the age piece. <laughs> <laughs> do the visions come in the night or do they come in the daytime when you're thinking in the daytime when i'm pondering yeah it happened once when Karen and he thought i was sleeping and sleeping. we were studying for one of the can you remember that bud 
Yeah, because so just a, a quick thing, like visions can come in, in both states. Visions can come uh, as you are sleeping and, and visions can come as you are. Um, That's what I thought too, yeah. But yeah, moms are always interesting because <laughs> her eyes are closed for, you know, the split second and she's kind of nodding off or whatever, but she'll receive whole visions wow. in a few seconds. <laughs> That's a lovely spiritual gift. It's like communing with another dimension. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. But I always find it frustrating, don't I, Mother? <laughs> you go, oh, Mother's doing that thing again. <laughs> because we'll be talking about a subject, and I'm like, hey, we, we've only got a half an hour before book club. We have to plow through this material or whatever. And she's kind of nodding off. Whatever. And I'm like, come on, Mother. And she's like, oh, I just received a vision about it. And I'm like, I, 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 yes, but I didn't. And so we need to still keep studying. <laughs> <laughs> our study periods are crazy all the time aren't they <laughs> i wanted to be a fly on the wall and now it's confirmed <laughs> so i've coined that as vistas of eternity oh yeah i like that yeah we get those little vistas into the mm -hmm. life of what eternity is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, um, well. I, I was thinking of something, but I forgot what it was. Oh, um, that, so in uh, group A, Kathy Barton put us on to this documentary that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, if you've ever read like Beloved Bridegroom from Donna Nielsen, uh, it's very much like that, but it is like an excellent documentary of, um, of the rapture and what Christians should expect from the second coming. Uh, I've watched it twice so far. <laughs> well, what's like the name it. of it? Before the Wrath. Yeah, Before the Wrath. Hang on. Before the Wrath, R-A-T-H? Uh-huh. Yeah. W R A T H, isn't it? Oh, W Wrath. Oh. Got it. Wrath. Got it. Yeah, Got it. Okay. And is it on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. So um here's the thing. So it's like uh I think it's fourteen dollars to purchase it or four dollars to rent it, kind of a thing on YouTube. Um, but we were because Kathy said it would actually be a fun watch party to do, and I'm like I don't know if I really want to do watch parties, but after watching it and binging it a couple of times, I'm like, okay, yeah, we might ought to do a watch party. So um, we're thinking about doing that this, we'll see, this Saturday, um, sometime like Saturday, maybe six or 7 p.m. Um, probably more like six, but maybe, I don't know. You'll, you'll send out a, text uh -huh. or something yeah send a text and, and put it on facebook and learning zion and stuff but um anyway so with the watch party you don't necessarily have to buy it or rent it or whatever you can just hop on the zoom and, and everything but I, I don't know how much we'll actually get through because it's um yeah it's kind of long it's an it's, hour and 20 it's, minutes it's kind of a nice. lot of stuff to like stop and talk about and, and right stuff, so. it's in a documentary uh -huh. yeah well, it's just yeah. six, it, maybe six o'clock. That's mm -hmm. my vote. 
Yeah, okay. so that we can get uh, a lot talked about. Um, but it's <laughs> going to have to do it like a two parter or something too. I don't know. We're, we're still in the the process of, of bantering out <laughs> when and, and stuff because I'm recording podcasts on on Saturday, and I think I'll be done by six. Uh, I'll try to make myself done by six. But anyway, I'll, I'll when we do confirm it, uh, I'll I'll make sure to to post that on Learning Zion tonight when we figure it out. So okay, yeah, thinking about doing that because it applies with the ascension here. Very interesting um, connotations with being lifted up, the rapture, the ascension, and uh, things like that, that that were popping out in it. So it's it's kind of timely to what we're studying this week, I think. So. Well, try to do it soon. But it deals a lot with it, um, the how the marriage, the betrothal, and and all that plays out, and the wedding and everything at night. And mm, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we were doing our our watch party uh, yesterday, and we or Sunday. Sorry. And on Hosea, the amazing love story, and Kathy was like, oh, I thought it was this documentary that I watched or whatever. And um, anyway, so they're they're very much tying in together. If you haven't watched the amazing uh, love, uh, that's an awesome uh, Christian movie. Um, yeah, it also goes with um, God's love and and the bride and bridegroom kind of thing. But this documentary has a lot more like talking points. To, uh, to really discuss and hatch out some, some different ideas, especially from different kind of Christian perspectives too. Yeah, it has different Christian leaders that are talking at different points and they're, but they said that um, Jesus taught about the second coming in a way that uh, the Galileans would understand it and and so he used the metaphor of the the betrothal and the the wedding and all that. And that's why where we get that parable of the ten virgins. Because I, I tell you, when the door shuts and the others can't come in, and it's not just the virgins that's outside. I mean, it's the whole church that didn't make it, you know. And there's all these people. And when it closes that door, it's just, anyway, it affected me a lot. I was like, oh, crap, that could be some of my family out there. It could be me. Like, we got to make it. We got to make it into that. Yeah, but remember what the prophet has, prophets have said, that the tentacles of the church will wrap around them and bring them back in. Be it in this life or the next life, if you keep your covenants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just so assumed it's... that they not burn, <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever that is, I guess. <laughs> well, thank goodness we resurrect, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're making me laugh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned for that. We'll do that. But um, as far as next week goes, we'll do um, chapter eight. Um, so, uh-huh. t- t- tell me about because um, I'm totally confused. 
because I haven't been on for a couple of weeks because our my grandson ended up with leukemia. So we've been kind of busy. Um, but uh, only three years old, but a poor guy. But he's going through like a champion. So that's the good part. And I've already seen miracles, believe it or not, because of it. So that's kind of neat. So, but, uh, so I think I read a post or tag or something that you said, you tried come with me. We're not doing that anymore. Um, Come follow me. And then, uh, so one, you're doing this one, two or three times a week, the same thing. Is that what you're doing or what? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's basically like we've, we've always done. Uh, we have the, the three different groups and every week okay. they're doing the same thing. It, the only change really is that our uh, earlier Sunday group has moved over to Tuesdays at, at five o'clock now. But um, both of the evening ones are... Um, and we moved to Tuesday instead of Wednesday. So there's uh-huh. Sunday at eight and then Tuesday at five and Tuesday at eight. And so the one that I usually get on is eight then, right? Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. my group that I'm used to. Okay, great. Yeah. And Not then, sure I'll climb on today, but next week I'll do that then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just like always, we're, we're just studying the, the same thing. So whichever one works out best and they're all going to be recorded kind of a thing. But yeah, the rotating schedule, <laughs> I don't know it just got misunderstood but um anyway so that's how we're doing that and then come january we'll have the the hebrew on thursdays if if you're interested and the isaiah institute book club that we're leading um we're going to be going through the modern idolatry book the becoming kings and queens and um the 24 uh, lecture series on dreams visions and near-death experiences and that's on yeah. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard. That's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Looking forward. I'm looking forward to all of them. <laughs> I know. And they're all recorded so they can always go and catch up. And, because there's so many different things. So it's like there's there's no time to catch everything. So. I know. Yeah. So who, who writes the book for the dreams? I know the other two because I have them. But. Uh-huh. So the, the Dreams, Visions, and, and Near-Death Experiences is a podcast series that, or a lecture uh, series that Avraham okay. did back in 20, was it 16? I, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. it, it takes all of these different dreams and visions and stuff like Charles D. Evans or John Taylor or Spencer from Visions of Glory or um, Julie Rowe or just all of these different ones that have had dreams, visions, or near-death experiences that do tie into Isaiah's prophecies. He's always tying them back and saying, Isaiah's seen this, and here's what other people are seeing in their, their other experiences and, and, and building a, a doctrinal dissertation on it. So out of all of Avraham's works, it's by far my favorite other than Isaiah Decoded because Isaiah Decoded is so foundational to kind of mm-hmm. like look at, at Isaiah but um of everything else that dreams visions and, and near-death experiences is a must listen to I, I'm working on, on transcribing them right now so that we'll have like a written version of them but um anyway they're they're available there for purchase on his website and there you can purchase those on his website is that what you said uh-huh yeah 
Yeah, I've got it downloaded on my computer somewhere. I purchased it on the website, but I never got finished with it because I got caught up with someone named Cameron. You know that guy? <laughs> well, we're coming back to us. <laughs> I've listened to all of them at least Multiple two times, times, three times on several. That they're fascinating. I like it because um, I can stop and back up. It's, sometimes I have a hard time uh, hearing what Avraham is saying. Me too. And so I can back up and, oh yeah, it's okay. But here, if if Cameron gets it transcribed, we'll have the whole thing. But anyway, I really enjoy them. I think they're really good. Mm. Yeah, me too. The ones that I listen to. But anyway, the Saturday ones are through the Institute. Yeah, there'll be a I different Zoom institute. link. So it's a different link. You have to right. Sweet. Well, I'm gonna jump off. It was great, guys. Yeah. All right. See ya. Yeah. We'll see you Bye bye. Bye. So Cameron, if you get a chance, read the dream I sent you. Oh yes. I've been working on it. Mm -hmm. And wow, I've never worked on one of my own dreams. I have a safe 